Hey guys, welcome back to Fiction Fixation. We're your host. I'm Courtney. And I'm Rose. And this week we are going to be recapping the 2012 movie Magic Mike, starring Channing Tatum, Matt Bomer, Matthew McConaughey, and Joe Manganiello. Joe Manganiello, whatever. I'm so sorry. Joe <laughs> Manaconda. Joe Macaroni. Joe Macaroni. Um, he's not a central part of this movie. So, uh, yeah, no, he's not a central part of the movie. He's a much bigger part of the second movie. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. I actually went and saw Magic Mike and Magic Mike XXL in theaters. I feel like it's kind of one of those pop culture bookmarks where even if you haven't seen the movie, you kind of know of the movie. It's basically about male dancers. Yes, as they like to be called. They like to be called male expressionists. Mansers. They like to be called mansers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the main star of the movie is Channing Tatum. I don't know if you know this, but this movie pulls inspiration from Channing Tatum's real life. Did you know that? He was a manser? He was a manser. He was a... (laughs) They're going to hate that name. Um, He was a male dancer. Yeah, he was a, a male performer. Huh. You know, good for him. Good for him. At a certain point, I guess acting started paying more. Listen, if you've never considered being a stripper, male, female, or otherwise, I don't believe you're actually living life. You've never been like poor, poor. If you've never been like, should I show my titties for money? I mean, especially now with like OnlyFans, everyone's had that thought where it's like, well, what if I, you know, and if you haven't, how does it feel to be uh, God's favorite? My husband and I were actually talking about college funds for the kids and saving for college and stuff. Like, do we want to show our booty holes to put our kids through college or do we want our kids to have to show their booty holes to put themselves through college? Um, He decided that showing booty holes, whether it's us or them when they're older, um, is probably (laughs) not the only option we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like there are other options. But in this movie, Channing Tatum plays a guy named Mike. And Mike has, he has a day job, which it doesn't, I don't know, I guess, are you not making that much money if you need a day job? I feel like the day job is mostly like to legitify money because I'm I'm not sure he's paying taxes on any of this. Gotcha, because it's all under the table, Mm -hmm. what he's earning from dancing. Well, also, this movie takes place in 2012, and he's talking about how he only makes like $14 an hour doing like roofing. Yeah. And I'm like, really? That's all you were making in 2012 doing like hard manual labor? So yeah, he's a roofer. And what I think is interesting is the movie opens with Mike living the life that every man thinks he would live if he was single. Yeah, so Mike wakes up in the morning. There's a chick in his room named Joanna who is getting ready. Another girl on the bed. Wakes up to two women in his bed and an amazing apartment full Mm -hmm. of shit that he built. This is the life that men think they would have. Oh, baby. Oh, honey. (laughs) His apartment is amazingly clean. It is very, very clean. Fallacy number one. Yeah. They don't tell us his age, but he is at least 30. Mike goes to work after his weird threesome morning. There's a whole bunch of new guys at the work site. His boss says, oh, yeah, I found them through some industry connections. Mike's like, God damn it. Did you hire guys from Craigslist again? Which is exactly what his boss did. He hired guys from Craigslist. Which is terrifying when you think about having work done in your house and you hire a company with good reviews and then they're hiring random strangers from Craigslist. 
with usernames like that booty oh eight um with their aol email from high school (laughs) yeah cannot trust people with their aol email from high school i still have mine same don't trust us um but (laughs) yeah and one of the guys that the boss hired is this 19 year old kid named adam adam is played by alex pettifer and he's you know what? He's cute. He was also in the movie Beastly that we've covered previously. Okay. Yes. I was wondering where I knew him from. Mm-hmm. He's very attractive, but in a very harmless kind of way. He He's not very broad and he doesn't seem very tall. He's the kind of man that if he really pissed you off, like you could take him down, you know, like if you really... If it came down to it, you know? Okay, no, see, here's the thing. I think we think we could take him down. And I think we would give it the good old college try because we're like, I cannot. You know what? You're a tall, skinny white boy. But then, like, we don't realize that underneath Mm -hmm. this hoodie he's wearing is muscle. I feel like Adam is the unintentional main character in a way. He is a really heavily involved side character. You get to see Adam's point of view just as often as you really get to see Mike's point of view. They're like co-tagonists. They're co-tagonists. I love how you're just making words up. Yeah. So from the very from the very beginning, you feel for Adam because you could see he's young, he's 19, and he's down on his luck. Like he he's broke. He lives on his sister's couch. And almost right away, Mike takes a liking to him. And even offers him a ride home after the job because Adam's car breaks down in the parking lot. Yeah. And then later that night, they actually run into each other when Adam is trying to get into a club and Mike is going into that same club. Yeah, I guess Mike is a club promoter. Yes. That's it's funny. He's a roofer by day, a club promoter by night. If I built a roof earlier in the day, I'm going to need to be horizontal for the rest of the day. Well, also, those are just like the two jobs he's getting paid for. He, he also has a car detailing business that he does on the side. And then he builds custom furniture on the side. This guy has like five fucking jobs. We'll see this more throughout the movie, but he's very ambitious. He has mm-hmm. he has big dreams for himself. But at the moment, he is a club promoter at night. Yeah. And Adam asked him to try to help him get in. He's like, they're not going to let you in like that. Because Adam's literally wearing like jeans and a raggedy ass hoodie and a wife beater. I have a question, though. Why is there such a strict policy on dress code for clubs? The people that are in there, it's not like you're going to a business meeting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like people are going in there to get shit face drunk. Do you want them to look business casual as they're getting shit face drunk? I don't get it. I think it's for the aesthetics. Like you don't need to wear a suit, but you need to look like you came to have a good time. Not like you came from bed. Yeah. So Mike uses Adam as kind of a buffer to be able to approach these girls and hand them a flyer for his real night job. Because the club that Mike is promoting is a male strip club. Mm -hmm. What city are they in? Tampa. Okay. So yeah, in shows like that, anytime that they haven't sold out on tickets, they send someone out to hand out flyers and try to fill the seats. What is the name of the club? It's not called Magic Mike Show. Exquisite. Exquisite. That is a terrible name. If the club was called Magic Mike XXL, they would have no trouble filling the seats. (laughs) 
So Mike takes Adam to this club and the club is ran by this guy, Dallas. That's kind of his uh, stripper name. Mm -hmm. He's played by Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey somehow manages to make his accent seem native wherever he is. Like they're in Florida. Yeah. Where is he from, by the way? Because his accent just doesn't quit. Matthew McConaughey is from Texas. Um, Mm -hmm. And you know what? You know what he also brings to this movie? All right, all right, all right. <laughs> of course. At first, Alice is like, the fuck are you doing bringing me a 19-year-old? I can't have him out there hosting at 19. And Mike's like, hey, man, you know, he could do props. We do our own props right now. Having him help us out would be a great help. Adam goes backstage with Mike. Mike introduces him to the guys. Then he tells him kind of how things go down. He's like, yeah, he's like, we do a group act first. Mm-hmm. And then we go into our individual sets. And then we end with a group act. Did you see how when Mike is explaining to Adam how the club works, there's a guy right across from them pumping his penis to enlarge it. You see a penis. There's a penis inside of a clear tube that's being pumped. This movie is not for the faint of heart if you do not like man asses. There's lots of man asses, yes. But I will say that they are very manicured man asses. They're not your run of the mill man asses you know what they shave they shave their asses i wouldn't be surprised if they bleach their assholes courtney they're not showing their their buttholes when they bend over you can see their buttholes no we don't see it but when they bend over on stage you can see their buttholes if you've never seen a show like this it's uh it's pretty wild it's these guys they come out in these ridiculous costumes and basically strip and hump the stage and put on a very sexual show and then they pick one or two lucky ladies from the audience to bring them up on stage dry hump them then hump their faces have you ever been to one of these shows i have not okay (laughs) girl I went to a Thunder from Down Under show, which is essentially this kind of show. I seen that there was one in Louisville that I was going to go to and I didn't. It was fun in the sense that there's this feral energy <laughs> of just, I mean, in what world are men objectified to this extent? That's my America. <laughs> <laughs> if you run, if you run for office, it's like objectify men. That's my America. Yes. (laughs) First of all, the drinks are very strong. They want the women to let loose. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they give you very strong drinks. And there's just this crazy aura that I think if you were to see a clip out of context, it would be so cringy. And honestly, kind of watching the women in this movie is a little cringy. But when you're there, it's just kind of giggly and exciting. But I was terrified that I was going to be pulled on stage. I mean, I was sitting all the way in the back, so I was kind of safe. But at a certain point, they walk through the crowd. I wanted to hide under the table. I was like, there is no way in how I'm letting one of these greasy guys. They are like lubed up, though. With baby yeah. oil or something like. Yes, they are. They're so shiny <laughs> and are. hairless. They are like completely hairless. It's really unnatural. Like little baby seals. <laughs> <They are. laughs> like a little they- like a dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> they are and honestly the show that i saw i just i feel like they're really dorky they're more like like a boy band like if a boy band took the choreography too far you know that's kind of what it felt like like if a boy band showed their butt cheeks yes it's just it's dorky and it's cringy but chan and tatum he is he is sexy okay he is hot like the man mm-hmm. can dance in a way that is is spectacular could you imagine Backstreet Boys 
on stage doing back straight back. But when they say back, they turn around, pull their pants, rip their <laughs> pants off, and you just see ashless chaps. 12-year-old me would have loved that. (laughs) (laughs) I think that when women watch male strippers like this, I don't think it's about like sexual energy. I did not see sexual energy in that room from the women. I see fun. Yeah, I think it's fun because it's subversive. It's so just unusual for men to be so... Objectified. And to be honest with you, there's something very feminine about kind of the routines and the dances. Uh There's a very feminine energy to it all. Mike does his set, okay? Mm -hmm. Ken does his set. And then the guy who calls himself Tarzan is the last one that's supposed to go out there and do his set. Wasn't he the one pumping his penis? Yes. Okay. He's not going out there. Dallas gets worried, goes in the back, and this dude's passed out. I don't know if it's from drugs or alcohol, or he's an older gentleman. I mean, he's not like middle, (laughs) he's not like, you know, using a walker, but you could tell he's not as young as like Mike and Adam are. Yeah. Well, can you imagine all the blood that just left his body to go into his extremely enlarged third leg? So uh, that might have had something to do with it. But. The guy named Tarzan, he's down, he's out, he's not doing his set. Mm-hmm. But these women out here have dollar dollar bills, y'all. And <laughs> they're not about to let those dollar bills go unused. And right. Mike has the great idea. He's like, you know what, Adam, I'm calling in that favor. Get out there, shake your ass, show some booty cheeks. I thought it was interesting how nobody else wanted to go out. It it was almost like they were just tired of the women, you yeah. know, because Mike was like, I just went out there. Like, I would have thought that they would have been excited to get more money. But uh-huh. I think I think they get sick of these women. Oh, no. <laughs> Do you ever feel like you're being objectified and like women are not seeing you for your talent and your hard work ethic? But only for <laughs> your bulge and your booty cheeks. Welcome to my America. (laughs) That's the three things women want from a man. Bulge, booty cheeks, big account. (laughs) The three Bs. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But honestly, Adam doesn't put up too much of a fight. He doesn't because the whole time that Mike was doing his set, Adam was watching from the sidelines with Mm -hmm. stars in his eyes. And so he doesn't put up a fight. He goes out on stage, but he's so awkward because he can't dance. And so he's just clumsily taking off his clothes. Yes. And the women don't even care that this guy looks like he just walked off the street. They're just like, yay. Yeah. (laughs) And they're like, woo, woo, woo. And you know what? He kind of gets into it. They're cheering him on. He, he kind of starts to wiggle the hips a little. He starts to thrust the bulge. And then he hops off stage. He straddles the girl from the bar. He mm-hmm. straddles her, just starts making out with her. And the women in the crowd are like, woo, they are going crazy fair all over this. When he's done with the set, he goes backstage and he got a ton of money. I mean, he's holding a crap ton of money. Yeah. He tries to hand it to Dallas and he's like, oh, no. Yeah. Dallas tells him, you know, every guy keeps every dollar he makes, which I think is cool because I thought they had to tip out people. And normally they do, but they do charge a cover charge here. And a lot of strip clubs Mm, don't. Yeah. Women are willing to pay a cover charge. Horny middle-aged men who want to go watch questionably legal girls shake their titties on a pole. They are not paying a cover charge. 
I think it's BS that men don't have to pay a cover charge to see strippers. Like, how are you getting that show for free? You know what? You can tell that Adam, after this experience, is kind of enthralled with the whole idea of male strippers. He's enthralled by the money. You can see how quickly people can get addicted to this easy money. But then is it that easy of money? Because Mike has a bunch of jobs and it's like, I don't know. Yeah, it's not that easy. Because not every night is like this, right? Like this seems to be a full night. And also you have to think about the fact that winter comes and people, you know, are staying home or if the weather is bad and people are not coming out. So it's not reliable money. It's not reliable money. You probably have a busy season like with most jobs. So the owner of the club, Dallas, says that he could see something special in Adam, which honestly, what does he see that special? Pecs? Like six pack? What's special about Adam? He's good looking, he's young, and he needs money. I think you're right. I think what he sees is a desperate kid. Which is exactly what Adam is. Yes, absolutely. And so Dallas takes Adam under his wing. He has Adam come in. You know, he shows him the routine. He shows them how to, Mm -hmm. you know, pump that bulge. He shows him how to swing his hips. (laughs) Yes. He shows him how to make these women want to part with their dollars. Yeah, which like it's not hard. Adam gets home, not even in the wee hours of the morning. He gets, It's like seven, eight o'clock in the morning yeah. when Adam finally gets home and his sister is not having it. She is not happy. She's super pissed. By the way, she's this really pretty younger blonde girl mm-hmm. and she always has a stank face the entire movie. Like the entire movie shows a stank face. She only smiles once and that's when they're making fun of Dallas later. And it's interesting because Mike meets the sister, obviously, because he has to drop Adam off. Adam doesn't have a car anymore. Mm -hmm. When Brooke meets Mike, Brooke asks them how they know each other. And Mike says, well, he works with me as a roofer, but I'm also an entrepreneur and I manage a few businesses. And you could tell Brooke is not impressed. I don't think Brooke has been impressed a day in her life. You know what? Anytime somebody tells me they're an entrepreneur, my automatic go to is they're trying to be a rapper. Order MLM. I can't believe a rapper is higher on the list than MLM. No, it's normally an MLM. They're like, oh, yeah, Yeah. I'm an entrepreneur. Normally, people who are truly entrepreneurs, I feel like will say, oh, I own a car detailing business or I own a gym. Right. You say what your venture is. You're right. That's so true. People who are entrepreneurs and say they're entrepreneurs normally aren't making any money. Ouch, man. So Adam's sister, it seems like she's his older sister. She must be in her mid to late 20s. And she works a normal job. You know, she's a nurse. She's helping out her little brother by letting him crash on her couch. And she's starting to witness kind of weird things. Mm -hmm. She comes home from work one day and there's a box full of sailor hats and speedos and thongs. Adam is in the bathroom. She bangs on the door and she's like, I need to talk to you right fucking now. He comes out. He has half a leg shaved, by the way. (laughs) He was using her razor to shave his legs. Listen, if you have a brother who's desperate for money and down on his luck and you come home and there's a box full of strange outfits and he's shaving his legs, like I would be concerned too. But yeah, so Adam has to fess up to his sister and tell her that he is a a male dancer now. Yeah. And later that evening, Mike comes to pick Adam up for his first day on the job. 
Mm-hmm. And Mike invites Brooke. Adam goes on stage, like his first official set with his, you know, new dance routine. Uh huh. If it's to be called a dance routine, it's kind of honestly embarrassing that they practice this because it's really they're just humping the air to the beat. I feel mm-hmm. like you could wing it. You know, I don't think you have to put too much thought into it. You know what? That's fair. Because like, think about it, Courtney, like pole dancing is hard. You have to do really acrobatic things to make it interesting. Yeah, no, no, no. You definitely do. These guys are not on poles. No, they're on a stage with flat shoes. Yes. (laughs) Well, you know what? Adam makes some money that night, all right? Adam makes some money, honey. He doesn't know this, but his sister comes in Mm -hmm. during his set and sees him humping a lady's face. And I know they're not like really rubbing their junk on people's faces, but it's close enough for for the lady's oxygen levels to be lower. It's kind of like they're being smothered with dick for a second. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't think that's on anyone's bucket list. The woman is flat on the stage and the guy is like thrusting his hips into her face Um, and like centripetal force. You know what? Like gravity. That thing is just dipping down. Your G seems going to have to be really tight to keep that thing up. You know what I mean? So it's just like kind of probably just like dropping on her face. Uh As you're thrusting, that thing's gaining momentum. Okay. Yeah, that's true. You're just being like slapped in the forehead with a dick. It's a science. I think G-strings for men are definitely a science, specifically for strippers. You're right. They have to account for for physics and yeah. uh, how an object in motion stays in motion. And, you know, it stays in motion <laughs> until it hits your fucking forehead. The sister watches Adam and then... She stays for the rest, for a little bit more of the show. And she watches Mike too, but Mike doesn't know that she stayed to watch him. And Adam doesn't know. Right. But yeah, you know what? You can tell she was getting some down low woes. Because Janet Tatum is just, I've never seen a man exude so much sexual energy while dancing. Because dancing, like I said, it's usually a very feminine energy to like move your hips and sway around. And I can never take the male dancers very seriously. Like, it's never masculine enough for me. But Channing Tatum does it somehow. I don't know. Would you feel a different kind of way if men were doing manly stuff in a G-string? What do you mean? Like, if they were building an Ikea bookshelf for you, if they were sawing wood. I just can't take men seriously in a G-string, to be completely honest. Okay, so if you can see booty cheeks, you're automatically like, no. I don't respect you. (laughs) If Rose can see your booty cheeks, she does not respect you (laughs) as a man. Yes, yes. And let me tell you, Mike, he understands that his profession is not exactly, you know, respected by society because he has aspirations He says himself at a certain point, he doesn't want to be a 40-year-old stripper. And so Mm -hmm. he's trying to invest his money, get out of the game. He dresses up in this really nice suit and puts on glasses that I don't think he needs. Right. And he goes to a bank because uh, he's trying to get a loan for a business. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's his custom furniture business. What did you hear what the banker said? So first of all, the banker lady is flustered. Mm Mm-hmm. Even though he looks like a total dork, <laughs> like in his suit that like literally it looks like if he turns the wrong way, it's going to rip at the seams like that suit is so tight on him. Yes. 
Unfortunately, our friend Mike has some credit problems. Mike is very offended that the lady seems to think that he's in distress because she's offering him, you know, like, hey, we have some programs that can help, you know, people with, you know, bad bad uh, financial situation. Yeah. And he's offended because he has a stack of money to put a down payment towards a loan. And he says, does this look distressed? What I kept thinking was, if you have this money, obviously he's been saving up money. Mm-hmm. Why don't you pay off your debts to bring up your credit score? Well, here's the thing. I don't think he has any debts anymore. I think he had debts and then stopped using his credit altogether. But when you pay off debts and then you don't use credit after that, your credit score stays low. He's kind of ignoring the problem. Mm-hmm. He's ignoring the fact that his credit is the number one problem. And let me tell you, working in real estate, I see this all the time where like it doesn't matter how much money you make. If your credit score is low, you're not going to be able to buy a house. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to finance a mortgage at all. Oh, no, for sure. You know what? Mike is Mike is sad, but on the bright side... Little baby Adam has already made enough money to where he could put a down payment on a car. At this point, it's been like a month, Mm -hmm. I think, of Adam being part of the club. And Adam rolls up to his sister's house in a new car. And again, she has her stank face. She is incapable of smiling. Maybe she's trying not to get wrinkles. I don't know. Resting bitch face, you know, does keep you young. What is it about this girl? You know, it's interesting because Mike seems into her. Like he seems immediately into her. And I wonder if it's the fact that he is used to women just gawking at him and smiling at him. And he's never laid eyes on a woman that just stared at him like he was paint drying. I don't know. She doesn't even have like, I love how you described it as resting stink face because it's not even resting bitch face. It's like a perpetual frown. Yeah. Mike and Adam end up convincing the sister to go to a sandbar party with them. It's essentially you take a boat to a sandbar and you just spend the day there drinking. But they run into Mike's fling from the beginning of the movie. And you can tell this chick is into sister. Okay. And Mike's like, oh, no, Joanna. Like, mm mm-mm. And she's like, okay, if you don't want to share, that's fine. So Mike and Joanna, obviously, they're not serious. They just hook up every once in a while. But Mike calls her throughout the movie. Like anytime he's feeling lonely, he calls up Joanna. And it's almost like it's almost like he doesn't want to sleep around because he could if he wanted to. Obviously, he could hook up with a different girl every night. Mm -hmm. But he keeps going back to the same girl because I think he's lonely and he wants someone who knows him deep inside. His steady (laughs) fling is a comfort blanket. You know, she's his binky. That's so disturbing, but yes. (laughs) You know what? It's disturbing um, how men refuse to deal with their feelings and then use women to cope, but whatever. Yeah. So all the people at the sandbar party are all of the people from Mike's club. And just Brooke doesn't fit in. And Mm -hmm. honestly... Brooke doesn't fit in in this whole movie. Like, she is a completely different vibe from this movie. It's almost like she stepped through a vortex from a different movie, like a more serious movie. You know who she reminds me of? Who? Julia Stiles. Yeah, she is. She is kind of Julia Stiles uh, a little bit. She reminds me of Julia Stiles in 10 Things I Hate About You. Right. Yes. Like that. Just perpetually unimpressed, perpetually stank faced. While she may make the money and while she may have her life together, she has a lot of teenage angst. Yeah. <laughs> she exudes teenage angst. She does. 
So this sandbar party is a moment where Mike tries to cozy up to Brooke. And I don't know, like, it's so hard to read whether she likes him or not. It's very obvious he's interested in her, Mm -hmm. but you can't really read her on whether she's interested in him. She shows zero interest. Like, every now and then she gets some lingering looks, you know, but on the whole, she seems wholly unimpressed, uninterested and unavailable. I would want to say that she's dead inside, but honestly, people who are dead inside are usually very bubbly. So, yeah, take us, for example. No, 100%. Because a lot of people think that like darkness and coyness is, Mm -hmm. you know, very cool. But when you are actually dark inside, you don't want to portray that to the world. No, the people who are all dark and moody, they still have life in them. No, 100%. The people who act dark and moody. It's a cry for help. It's it's their posers. They're not really dark and moody. No. (laughs) Dark and moody people are bubbly. So in this venture of male stripping, Adam got offered a lucrative deal from Tito, the DJ. And that deal involves selling ecstasy. Right. Which I think now is called Molly. Adam has started selling Molly for Tito. Mike doesn't know this. No, Mike has no idea. But Mike and Adam pretend uh, they're dressed up as cops and they're hired to go to a sorority party. They do the whole bit where they knock on the door, dress as cops, and they're like, Mm -hmm. we're getting noise complaints, you know, and the music starts and they start stripping. Girl, I have too much anxiety for a stripper to come to my house dressed up as a cop, because even when they start dancing, I'm still not going to know for sure if they're a cop or not. I'm the opposite. I really hope a semi-attractive cop never comes to my house because I'm going to be like, he's here to shake his booty in my face. <laughs> and he's just there to tell you your husband's dead. <laughs> like, he's just here to be like, hey, girl, your dad died. And I'm like, so no butt cheeks. <laughs> and you're like, hold on a second. You got to run to my purse <laughs> and get my dollar bills. I keep 20 singles on hand for this purpose. The reason Mike and Adam go to a sorority party is because Dallas, the owner of the male strip club, he's expanding his brand to do house parties. Mm -hmm. And I think this is kind of one of the first ones that they do. Yes. Well, they don't make a very good impression because after the dancing starts, they're wearing a tactical belt and a G-string. Adam decides that he's going to slip a girl some X. Yeah. The girl's boyfriend's in the next room over. He Mm -hmm. sees it happen. And then these scrawny little frat boy punks are like, you give my girl X. And they start a fight. A fight breaks out. It gets pretty bad. And so Mike grabs Adam and gets out of there. And on the ride home, Adam tells Mike, we have we have to go back. I left pills in the bag. And that's the first time that Mike hears that Adam has been selling the drugs. Oh, yeah. Mike loses it. Then Mike said, like, we're not going back. We can't go back. How many were there? Adam says like 100. Mike does the math and he's like, okay, 100 pills, $10 a pill. It's like a thousand bucks. We'll be fine. Yeah, it's a lot of money, Mm -hmm. but it's like a couple nights, you know, a couple Mm -hmm. nights of shaking your butt. (laughs) So because this job at the sorority, the side gig didn't go well, Dallas is pissed at Mike. Dallas with his Matthew McConaughey accent, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, goes from friendly to terrifying very quickly. Can you imagine like a mafia with like Southern accents? I don't know. (laughs) They're kind of scarier, I think. Dallas basically tells Mike 
Like, hey, I guess you're not as committed to the business as I thought you were. Mike was supposed to get a 10% cut of their new Miami venture that they're going to be opening. Dallas had changed it to seven and a half. And now he's like, are you worth the seven and a half? The vibes are off. And Mike, <laughs> Mike sees what he's worked for. You know, like, listen, Mike, we, Rose already said, Mike has aspirations. So yeah. shaking his booty cheeks and not getting that seven and a half percent equity in the Miami venture is really making Mike question a lot of things. Mike goes out that night and he gets fucked up. Yeah, he takes Adam with him and basically he just wants to party. It seems like they probably do ecstasy or Molly or whatever Mm -hmm. the kids call it. After this wild night of partying, Mike and Adam go back to Mike's place with some girls. And the next morning, Adam's sister, Brooke, comes banging on Mike's door. It's because Adam didn't come home last night. He didn't tell her where she was, that he wasn't going to be home. She was worried that something bad had happened. Well, also, she says that he called her and left her weird voice messages. Yeah. Her and Mike go find Adam and he's like choking on his own vomit. It's it's not a good look. His sister blames Mike. So yeah, the sister is really upset. She's yelling at Mike. She actually insults him. She actually says to him, like, you're a bullshit 30-something-year-old stripper. I mean, she's hitting him where it hurts. Mm-hmm. She is. To his credit, he takes it. He does, yeah. Sister takes Adam home, back to her apartment. So Mike is, uh, he's he's sad, okay? Mm-hmm. She hurt his feelings, okay? Mm-hmm. And so he does what sad people do in movies. He goes and finds a high spot to stare out of the ocean. <laughs> he goes and finds a high spot to go stare out into the ocean because that's what sad people do in movies. When Mike gets back to his house, his house is not empty. It is being ransacked by two big beefy ass bodyguard looking dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tito, the DJ, he's there. Mike's confused. He's like, the fuck are you doing at my house? And Tito's like, I told him not to break anything. They're looking for Adam. And Mike's like, all of this over a thousand bucks? And Tito's like, dude, no. We went in on the whole pack, which is 2,000 pills. And Adam's half of that is $10,000. And so Mike pays Adam's debt. And I think this basically takes up a lot of Mike's savings account. Savings account. It drains his money in a wall safe. (laughs) It drains his cash. And honestly, I think the only reason Mike did it is because he knows these guys aren't fucking around. And they're not there to be like, hey, let's set up a payment plan. They're there to break kneecaps. All right. I know. That's the hard thing. You know, like you can't do a payment plan with uh, drug dealers. You can't do a payment plan with the mafia. You can't do a payment plan with Sally Mae. Like they want their money when they want their money. We've already established previously that Sally Mae is in fact a mafia. They don't care if you like drove off a cliff into the ocean and the pills got lost in the ocean and your dog died in that accident. Mm -hmm. They don't care. They're like, well, good thing your dog's already dead or else we would have killed it already. (laughs) We would have had to break your dog's kneecaps. (laughs) I would be more inclined to fix my dog's kneecaps. I would fix my dog's kneecaps first. You would take your dog to the vet before you go to the ER? Yeah. Oh, because I, I know I'm in pain. I understand what pain is. Yeah. My dog doesn't know. She's just she's just this floppy-eared, sweet little baby. I know why they came and broke my kneecaps. She, she's just confused. She thought they were new friends. And then they hurt her. 
That's so sad. But yeah, that's really true. Oh my gosh, my heart is breaking for this hypothetical dog whose kneecaps got broken. But also, if somebody broke your dog's kneecaps, don't pay them, kill them. Instantly. Like, it's a new fucking movie. We are Liam Neeson in Taken, okay? I have a very particular set of skills. And I will find you, and I will kill (laughs) you. And the dog's just crying in the background. Mike, after he pays off Adam's fucking drug dealer friends, he goes to look for Adam. Mm-hmm. And he goes over to Brooke's apartment where Adam was staying. She's like, he doesn't live here anymore. He's with Nora, I think. I don't know, but I kicked him out. And then she starts insulting Mike again. Mike eventually finds Adam at the club. Yeah, they have a heart to heart. And Adam says, like, you know, I'll pay you back for it. Bro, do you know how many fucking can your booty cheeks clap? Because yeah. I don't think they do you can. Know how many, do you know how much you're going to have to clap those booty cheeks? <laughs> do you know how many faces you're going to have to dry hump? Yeah. To, you're going to have to start sucking dick to pay this back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it's there's none out there. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but also, this is the last night that the Tampa Club is open because they are moving their venture to Miami. I, at least for me, it was nice to see that Adam was very thankful to Mike because Adam was in a really tough spot in the beginning of the movie. And now he has money and he has girls and he has this life that he thinks is amazing. Mm -hmm. It's almost like Mike passed the baton. Is that how you say baton? Yeah, Mike passes the baton on to Adam Which you can imagine that at a certain point in time, Mike was Adam. Mm -hmm. Mike was this 19-year-old kid at some point who thought this was the best thing ever. But then you start getting older and Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, I I can't do this when I'm 50. Honestly, like him doing this at 30, like those knees, though. Those knees, though. (laughs) Yeah. In this case, it's more like passing the G-string. Yes, yes. They were, he's passing the G-string. It is a game for the young, definitely being an exotic dancer. It is hard Mm -hmm. work. And girl, like you said, like when you're in your 30s, like you just the other day, I didn't even move and I like sprained my neck muscle somehow. I don't like it's the weirdest thing. Your body Mm -hmm. just starts breaking down. Have you ever like sneezed and then your shoulders and your back hurt and you're like, oh, Get me the peace. I need the frozen peace. <laughs> well, Mike decides that he's going to perform one last time. Mm-hmm. He does his solo act and then he goes, he tells all the guys goodbye. He doesn't tell except for Dallas. Fuck Dallas. But you know what, though? It feels like Dallas was the one that kind of took Mike under his wing and him and Mike just end up on a sour note. Well, the thing is, is that he took Mike under his wing, but then he tried to cheat Mike out of the equity that he earned in this company. Girl, you got to put shit in writing. You can't just do verbal agreements, even with friends. Like, things can change. No, I completely agree. Things can 100% change. And, like, I, I work in employment law, and that's mm-hmm. one thing. It's just like, hey, listen, like, you need to tell them this, and you need to tell them in writing. Send an email. If you have a conversation with your boss over the phone, that's cool. You are going to email them afterwards, summarizing it, and be like, please confirm that all of this is correct. 
I mean, if you learn anything from us, which I know you you shouldn't, <laughs> you should not, but put shit in writing, like put it in writing, follow up with an email, never just let it be someone's word. There's there's a saying, trust but verify is a Russian proverb. My favorite proverb is not my circus, not my monkeys. Yeah, love. But Mike leaves. He leaves. And you know where this bro goes after he leaves and just walks away from this? He does not go to get ice cream for the first time in his life. No. (laughs) Mike goes straight to Brooke's apartment. And this is the first time that she shows him a shred of fucking interest. Barely. Okay, it's so fucking weird. He goes and he's like, I was just wondering if you wanted to go and like hang out and talk. And she's like, like a date. And he's like, I mean, if you want to call it that, then yeah, it can be a date. And he's like, you know, do you want to go get breakfast? And she agrees. But she said she only goes to breakfast at one place. They know her order. But the problem is it doesn't open till 6 a.m. And he's like, that's seven and a half hours away. What I'm hearing is, is that you need to go get tacos now and breakfast later. How does someone come up to you and say, hey, let's get something to eat? And you say, sure, put it on the schedule for seven and a half hours from now. Like, do you see how I just don't get Brooke? But the in, the implication here was kind of like, what are we going to do with six and a half hours? Wink, wink. But there is zero sexual chemistry between them. Go ahead and take like a half an hour of that for a wink, wink time. Let's go get tacos <laughs> after, find something else to do, and then go get pancakes. Like, you know what? Like, there's there's a gap that's no. enough gap for two meals. No, yes. But then also, like I said, they have zero sexual chemistry. She does not really seem interested in him. So, like, what are they really going to do for six and a half hours? Like, puzzles, like Netflix, no chill. Like, I don't know. That kiss at the end... She kisses him. It's so fucking awkward. Like, honestly, I feel like this is 13-year-olds having their first kiss. Okay, so Brooke is not dead inside. She is dead down below. I don't know. I think they make pills for that, too. (laughs) I don't think they make pills for that. They do for men, but not for women. No, they have a female pill for that. Mike tells Brooke that he quit and that he's not going to, you know, the new club that they're building, Mm -hmm. wherever it was in Miami or whatever. And it's almost like Mike changed his whole life to impress Brooke, which is like, it's not really what he did because he was feeling unfulfilled in his job and everything like that. But I think he needed the push of judgy eyes sometimes I don't know if you've experienced it but I I've Mm -hmm. experienced the push of judgy eyes when like you're not feeling that great about something and then you catch someone giving you the judgy eyes and you're like thank you thank you for that you just changed my life (laughs) our moms are usually judgy eyes no that's fair our moms are usually judgy eyes This is really where the movie leaves us with Mike Mm -hmm. having quit probably his most lucrative venture to go see Brooke and finally get some flash of interest in her eyes. Do you think afterwards he's like, so can I sleep on your couch? (laughs) Well, in the second movie, they're together at the beginning. I have not seen the second movie, actually. (gasps) You haven't? It's on Netflix. Go watch it, girly. Yeah, the teapot is empty for today. Don't worry. Maury's bringing it on the way. We'll be back next week with another episode. See you next time. Bye.